As Chris said, we're in part two of our series called Words to Live By. And in this series, what we're doing is we are trying to explore the power of a few simple words or a simple phrase and how that word or how that phrase can benefit us all year long as we learn from that word and grow to be more like Jesus. And so we're looking for a word that will be meaningful to you. And so we're looking for all kinds of words. I'm looking for something that's meaningful for me. You're looking for something that's meaningful in your life. And this word has the ability in your life to help you focus on the truth that God wants you to know. It has the ability to help you overcome some things that maybe are holding you back in life. It has the ability when you speak it, when you speak the word, when you speak the phrase, it has the ability to kind of draw you back to what what really matters, what's really important in your life and the stuff that you need to learn and grow in this year. So anybody remember the words that we looked at last week? What was that? Yes, no, enough, close. So, but God, yes, you got it. So, but God, so but God was the words that we looked at last week and they stand in opposition to two other words that we use all the time. But I, right, so all the time we say, but I can't do that, but I'm not sure I have enough faith, but I'm afraid. So all throughout scripture, when people say, but I, the words, but God step in. God does what we cannot do. So does anybody remember our main takeaway from last week? God is bigger than your butt. That's actually not the main takeaway. That was the shock statement. Thanks, Dave. That was the shock statement I was using to point to our main takeaway. The main takeaway from last week is God is bigger than any excuse we could ever come up with for not doing something he wants us to do. So we've got to hold on to that. We've got to, got to remember that. And I challenged you last week to spend some time thinking about what your word might be for this year. And hopefully you were able to to do that. If not, if you're brand new with us, welcome. Glad you're here. You'll have some time uh, today. You have some time in this uh, series to maybe identify a word. And maybe you'll identify with the word that I'm going to talk about today. So today I'm going to reveal my word and my phrase for this year. And I'm going to tell you who I got that word from. So this word that, that I have for myself comes from... a New Testament Bible character who had a pretty famous relative and his relative was Jesus. So does anybody know who I might be talking about other than Mary or Joseph? John the Baptist. You said John the Baptist. That is who I'm talking about. So John the Baptist. So his mom was Elizabeth and Jesus' mom was Mary. They were cousins. And so we're going to be learning a little bit more about John and um, his mom and his dad. So his mom's Elizabeth, his dad was Zechariah. And the Bible tells us that they could not have children in their lives. And at this point in the journey, the story, when we kind of picked him up in the first part of of John, you learn that they are uh, old, past childbearing years, and yet God blesses them with a son. And that was an amazing blessing for them. And so they had little Johnny, and Zechariah said this about John at his birth. In Luke chapter 1, verse 76, he said, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. 
because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. And then Zechariah started to speak about Jesus. In verse 78, he said, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And then verse 80 It says, John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry in Israel. So John the Baptist was a very interesting guy. Uh, He lived in the wilderness, and it's a different context for us. You know, often you think wilderness, we think woods. But in that context, he lived in in a Judean wilderness, which was pretty much desert-type environment. So he lived out in a desert-type environment by himself. He wore camel skin clothes. He ate locusts. He was kind of known as that wild man that kind of lives all by himself. And he had a clear calling and a clear purpose and a clear mission in his life. And his purpose, he knew from a young age, was to prepare the way for the Lord. And what that meant for him was tell as many people about Jesus as possible. Tell everybody, Jesus is coming and you need to be prepared to meet him. And John uh, did an amazing job in his, his mission, in his purpose. And he had this message that he would share with people. And that message was, you need to turn from your sins and you need to turn to God. So as people would go out and hear John's message, and as they responded to John's message, he would baptize them, symbolizing that they had turned from their sins and had turned to God. And that's where he got the nickname, John the Baptist. Now, he was very successful in what he was doing, so successful that he got the attention of the religious leaders in Jerusalem. So the religious leaders in Jerusalem are going, why is everybody going down to see that guy that lives in a van by the river? I mean, this is, this is crazy. Like he's, a, he's kind of a crazy guy and everybody's going down to see him. So they sent some people down to figure out what was going on. So in John chapter one, verse 19, it says, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? And he came right out and he told them, I'm not the Messiah. Now, the Messiah was a name for savior. And the people of Israel have been waiting for a savior to come for many years. And John says, I'm not the savior. And they said, well, then who are you? They asked, are you Elijah? Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. They maybe thought that he had come back to life again. He says, no, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet we're expecting? Nope, not the prophet. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? Verse 23, he tells them something that was spoken about him hundreds of years before he was born by the prophet Isaiah. So he says this, I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. And verse 24 the Pharisees who had, sent, uh, who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? And John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you don't recognize. He was talking about Jesus. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. So John basically said, listen, you want to know who I am? I'm a nobody. Just trying to point everybody to the somebody we all need to know. And that's Jesus. 
So that was John's message on a regular basis. And when people say, hey, who are you? I'm just a nobody trying to point everybody to the somebody we all need to know. Again, that's Jesus. And as I look at John's life and understand the ministry that he had before Jesus came along and the ministry that he had while Jesus was there, it's just amazing to me. John never took credit for his ministry, ever. John never shined a little bit of light on himself. He never said, hey, Jesus is great, but I'm pretty cool too. John never did that. And John, for me, is one of those guys I think, man, I'd love to be more like John. Uh, Because for me, the reality is I'm sometimes not like John. There are moments that I might be tempted to shine a little light on myself. So I want you to put yourself in that place. Put yourself in the spot where John was, okay? So you have this ministry, you've got this calling, this clear purpose of God in your life, and you're doing it, you're, you're working hard at it. People are coming, they're responding. Hundreds of people are coming and responding. And then some people come and ask you, you know, you get the, some, some reporters show up and say, hey, who are you? Tell us about you. Would you be tempted to point any light on yourself? I might. Just being honest with you this morning. Like I might, I might be tempted in a moment to say, hey, let me tell you who I am. I'm the one. Okay, I'm not the one. I mean, Jesus is the one, but I'm the one telling everybody about the one. And my ministry precedes his ministry. I'm trying to point everybody to Jesus, but you know, I do stuff in ministry as well. I might be tempted to say that. But John never did that. John was never tempted by that stuff. He was never tempted by pride. He always pointed people to Jesus. John had large amounts of humility. I was reminded of my need to be more like John recently when I found myself in a conversation with somebody that I wanted to impress. Anybody else ever been in that spot where you're talking to somebody you want to impress? There's five of us here that feel that way. So I'll explain this so everybody else can understand what it's like. So I didn't didn't know I would feel this way when I started talking with this person, but when I started talking with this person, this person was a person of influence in a specific area, and I thought, wow, like I just kind of want to impress them. Let me say something that sounds impressive. So as we were talking, I told them I was more involved in something than I was. I was involved in it, but I did this thing called stretch the truth, and I, you know, I wasn't thinking that they were going to know that I stretched the truth. Imagine that. So uh, it, it became very obvious to both of us that I had stretched the truth when this person revealed how much they were involved in the thing that I said I was a little bit more involved in. I mean, it was obvious. It was like, oh... Oh, not good, not good. So just not a great moment for me. Um, And, you know, I hate to admit this, but there are moments that I struggle with pride. Don't tell anybody this. Okay, just keep this between us and the other two services, all right? But there are moments I struggle with pride. Anybody else struggle with pride? All right, a few of us struggle with that at times. And after that interaction, I was reminded of the word or phrase I need to focus on this year. 
based upon something that John said, John chapter three. And in John chapter three, we see this interesting dynamic happen between Jesus' ministry and John's ministry. Jesus and his disciples were baptizing people in the Jordan River. John and his disciples were baptizing people in the Jordan River. And there were more people going to see Jesus than John. His disciples got a little bit worried about that. And so in John chapter three, verse 26, they came running to John and they said, Rabbi, the man that you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah is also baptizing people. And guess what? Everybody's going to see him instead of us. What should we do? Put yourself in John's spot. How would you respond? How would you respond to your disciples in that situation when more people are going to see Jesus than are coming to see you in that moment? You know, honestly, for me, I would probably have two reactions. One reaction might be on the outside, man, that's great. That's great for Jesus. On the inside, I might be dying, going like, come on, Jesus. I'm trying to like do my ministry here and point people to you, and everybody's trying to go see you and be baptized by you. I might, in that moment, struggle with not only pride, but insecurity and jealousy. Anybody struggle with those things? All right. Welcome to Epic. <laughs> My name's Trent, and I got some issues. <laughs> so not long ago, a pastor friend of mine had some real success in his life. And my friend has got some great leadership abilities inside the church and outside the church, and he was able to do some really cool things. And I found myself struggling with two emotions. I was happy for him and jealous of him at the same time. And as I was kind of experiencing both of those, I was grieved at myself. Like, this is my friend. I want to be happy for my friend, what's going on in his life. But again, there are moments that, that I struggle with jealousy and insecurity. So I really had to focus my mind on the truth that John spoke in John chapter three. So in verse 27, John replies to his disciples who are all panicked about more people going to see Jesus. And he says, listen, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. Verse 29, he says, it is the bridegroom who married the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with, what's that next word? Joy at his success. So here, here's a moment of reflection for us. Are you filled with joy at other people's success? Are you filled with joy when you have worked longer and harder and some new person comes into your job environment and they get more praise and more recognition than you do? Are you filled with joy for them? 
Or are you filled with jealousy? Do you find ways to kind of put them down privately or publicly? Do you look for weaknesses that they may have and try to expound those weaknesses and tell other people, well, you know, I mean, they're not really that good at this. You know, they might be great at that, but they're not all that great at this. Or, you know, I know how they got that position because, you know, they're brown nosing the boss. Or if I grew up in a family like theirs, you know, I'd probably have a job like that or I'd have those opportunities. Do you find yourself joyful at somebody else's success? John was very joyful for Jesus' success. We should all be joyful for other people and their success. Listen to what John said in verse 30. This is where my uh, phrase comes from. He said, he, meaning Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. That's what John was focused on all of his life, saying Jesus must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. And that, that's the phrase I need to focus on, really all my, my life, but I need to focus on for sure this year. So I have adapted this phrase and personalized it for me into two phrases in one word. So the phrase goes like this, a longer phrase says, in my life there needs to be more of Jesus and less of me. There are moments I shrink that down to just say, more of Jesus, less of me. And I shrink that down even more and just say, more. For me, the word more communicates volumes. And it reminds me of what's really important in life and what I need to be focused on in my life, that I need to be focused more on Jesus and what he is doing than anything that I'm doing. In preparation for this message, I was reminded of a conversation I had years ago before we started Epic. Before we started Epic, I went around and interviewed as many pastors as would let me take them to lunch. And I would take them to lunch and say, listen, I got some questions for you. I got to learn. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, Please give me some insight and wisdom. And one of the pastors that I met with had just retired from a 30-plus year career leading a substantial church ministry. And this is some of the best advice that I've ever been given. He said this. He said, listen, Trent, people don't need more of you. They need more of Jesus. And the only way for them to get more of Jesus when they're around you is if you spend more time with Jesus. So you need to spend more time with Jesus so that they can have more time with him when they're around you. And I was just reminded of that in in preparation for this and the reality of how powerful that is and how true that is and what I need to focus on in my life. That Jesus has to become greater and greater and I have to become less and less. When we adopt John's strategy, then Ephesians 3.20 becomes a reality for us. Listen to what uh, the Apostle Paul says in that verse. He says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's been our theme verse since we started Epic. We've been praying uh, every year that God would do infinitely more 
than we could ever do, than we could ever ask, than we can ever think. And God has answered those prayers on a regular basis. Over the past nine plus years, we've seen at least 524 people put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I mean, I think that is so incredibly amazing. We've baptized 208 people. We've taken 207 people on international mission trips to uh, Guatemala, Costa Rica, or Ukraine. We've raised $20,000 to make investments in those communities around the world. We've been involved in 142 different projects in our community to let our community know that God is for them, and so are we. On a regular basis, we see people coming to know Jesus, lives being transformed, marriages mended, broken hearts healed. We're seeing people who say, listen, I don't do church, learning what it means to be the church for each other and for our community. God has infinitely done more in in the the life of our church over the past nine plus years than we could have ever asked or imagined. And over the next six years, I'm asking God to do more. In the next six years, we'll be 15 years old as a church. And what I am asking God for in the next six years is that he will use us to lead a thousand people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. A thousand more people who will spend eternity with God instead of apart from God. And we want you to be a part of that. So we're working on some uh, small group experiences that can help you learn how to share your faith with people that you work with, with people at home, maybe people that you go to school with. And I think when we join together with a, a clear purpose Like John had, John's purpose was to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. Guess what? We have that same purpose. At work, at home, at school, we have the purpose of trying our hardest to clear the way for people around us so that they might meet Jesus and be transformed by him. So we all share, as Christ followers, the same purpose that John had. Listen to what Paul said again, going back into that verse, Ephesians 3.20, all glory to God who was able through his mighty power at work. What's those two next words? Within us. This is amazing to me. God chooses to release his power to transform lives through us. He uses imperfect people like me, imperfect people like you to accomplish his perfect plan. And that's what I want to be involved in. That's what I want to be involved in the rest of my life, because that's the only stuff that lasts forever. The stuff that we do as Jesus works in us and through us. So that's my word for this year. My word is more. And more helps me focus on Jesus becoming greater and greater in my life and me becoming less and less. But what about you? What's your word for this year? What, what's that word that'll help you focus on the stuff that you need to overcome this year? You know, for some of you, maybe your word is hope. Maybe you feel like you've been in a hopeless situation and like you're tempted to kind of give up on hope or give up on faith that, that you might have. So, 
So maybe this year, the thing that you need to zero in on, the thing that you need to focus on is hope. And I'm not talking about a hope that just says, well, I kind of hope I get better. I kind of hope I get a raise. I hope I get a better job. I hope I get out of my financial debt. I hope I start a relationship with somebody that, that will last forever and be meaningful for me. It's beyond that because hope in scripture is not based upon, I wish, I think, I hope. It's based upon a confidence in what God can do. And we're gonna talk more about that next week. So maybe your word is hope, or maybe your word needs to be grace. Maybe every day you need to kind of mentally scoop up bucket loads of grace and pour it out for yourself and other people because all day long, like you just need grace from God, grace for other people, grace from other people. Someone said in our first two services, they said their word for this year is pause. And one person explained that. They said, before I speak, before I act, I need to pause and pray and ask God, what do I need to do in this situation? Wow. I think we all could benefit from that word. So I'm curious this morning. Um, is anybody willing to share what their word is for this year with us out loud? Yeah. Trust. Trust. Powerful word. Powerful word. Enough. enough. That's another great word. You are enough. Yeah. Same word. Yeah. Hope. It's a great word. Give. give. Jesus said it's better to give than receive. Powerful word. Faith. Faith. Strong word. Patience. Patience. We'll be praying for that person. <laughs> we'll be praying for you as you grow in that. Yeah. Respect. Respect. Big word. Very cool. Commitment. Somebody say action. Action. This is a year of action. Year of honesty. Compassion. Wow. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is powerful. Very cool. So here's what I want you to do. If you know your word, um, I would like you to grab on your seat, there should be a little card like this and there should be some pins around. So if you would grab that for just a minute and what I encourage you to do is write your word down or write your phrase down on that card. On the back side of the card, you'll notice there's a spot for prayer requests. So if you have a prayer request, you can write that prayer request down and if you want, you can write your name on this. Don't have to write your name at all. And here's the reason. Um, here's what I want you to do with this. I want you to take these cards when we're finished today. I want you to drop them off on your way out. So on your way out, on the right-hand side, there's two tables that have black tablecloths on them. They're on the right-hand side. I want you to drop off one, your card, leave it on that table, and I want you to kind of look around the other cards that are on the table, and I want you to pick one other card up, and I want you to take that card with you. And I want you to spend the next two weeks praying every day for that person and their word. So pray for yourself, but also be praying for them in that word for God to use that in their lives. We all need extra prayer support, and this is an opportunity for us to join together in praying for each other. Now, in addition to that, here's what else I would like you to do. I would like you to fast for that person every day for the next two weeks. Can you imagine kind of thinking about, hey, there's somebody fasting for me, 
And every year we start our church off with a fast. Our fast starts tomorrow and run for the next two weeks. Some of you who are surprised are thinking tonight is the night of binging. I'm going to eat all that I can because tomorrow we fast. I don't encourage you to do that. That'll be painful later in the week. If you're new to fasting, it is the spiritual discipline of giving up food of some amount or some type. It also can be an activity uh, for a specific period of time to get something spiritual. So we're giving up something physical to get something spiritual. And in scripture, fasting primarily involves giving up food. It also can be an activity. So it can be an activity, like something that's a big deal in your life. It could be uh, time on the internet, or social media, a hobby. It, it could be any number of things. But the reality for what we give up needs to be a big deal to us. So if it's not a big deal to us, it's not going to be a big deal to God. So if you don't like broccoli, Fasting broccoli for two weeks is going to be like no big deal, all right? So you need to kind of spend some time thinking like, what is a big deal in my life? And what am I willing to give up to see God do something significant in my life and in this other person's life that I am fasting for? Now, one of the primary principles that we need to understand about fasting and prayer is this principle of replacement. So the principle of replacement goes like this. What we are giving up, the time that we'd be involved in that thing that we are giving up, we should replace that with prayer. So for example, if we are giving up lunch uh, every week for the next two weeks, we should replace that time with prayer. If we're giving up our time spent on social media for the next two weeks, we should replace that with time in prayer. And some of you right now might be having a panic moment because you're realizing how much time you spend on social media and you're thinking, how am I going to pray that long? So what I encourage you to do is start with five minutes of prayer. So if you're like new to fasting, new to prayer, start with five minutes of prayer and add one minute every day. And on the back of our spiritual growth challenge, we have a prayer guide that can just help you on the journey of learning. How do I start praying for myself? How do I start praying for somebody else? And I think you'll be amazed when you sit down and you start with five minutes, you'll be amazed at how quickly those five minutes go. By the end of our time together, you'll be praying about 20 minutes or so. And I think we'll all learn that we can spend a whole lot more time praying in our lives, and this can help us begin in that process. Now, if you are brand new to fasting, brand new to prayer, and thinking like, I'm a little overwhelmed, we've got a fasting preparation guide available at our Connection Center. So it's just this short document you can pick up from our Connection Center. We give you a lot of resources on it and help you dig deeper, and you can go really deep if you choose to do so through some of these resources. So if you need to learn more information, this is a document I would encourage you to pick up from our Connection Center as well. Okay, covered a lot of information there in the last, that last segment. So let me just recap. So you're writing your word or your phrase on your card. You're writing a prayer request on the back if you want to. You're dropping that off on your way out. You're picking up another card. You're gonna pray and fast for that person for the next two weeks. If you need the resources of our spiritual growth challenge and our fasting preparation guide, pick those up as well, okay? As we close, our worship team is going to guide us through a song called More. 
And this song is specifically tied to what I need to focus on in my life this year. And as we're singing, what I encourage you to do is spend some time talking to God about how he needs to increase in your life and how you need to decrease in your life. And then talk to him about what your word might be. And if you're able to identify that in the context of this service or this song, just write that down and then drop that off as you're leaving. So if you would, stand with me and let's pray together. Lord, this morning, I am personally grateful for the example of John the Baptist in in Scripture. Lord, what an amazing man who knew his, his purpose in life was to always point people towards you. And Lord, I'm just amazed that John never tried to take credit for his ministry. He never tried to shine a little bit of light on himself while he shined light on Jesus. He always pointed everybody to you, Jesus. He knew that life is everything about Jesus and, and what Jesus is doing, not about what we are doing. So, Lord, this morning, I, I pray for myself and all of us that we would adopt his strategy. We would understand there needs to be more of Jesus in our lives and less of us. And Lord, as that happens, we understand that Ephesians 3.20 can come into play and and you will work in us and through us when we have that kind of humility and you'll accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. And Lord, we're we're believing uh, you for that this year. There's all kinds of words that have been identified this morning. And we're believing that you'll do in us and through us more than we could ever ask in these specific areas of our lives. So God, thank you for being a God of more. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this, amen.